on this episode of Jeff Does Vegas. Once a week, we come into our closet and we do a show. There are so many podcasts out there, but we wanted to give the husband-wife perspective that we don't think that other people out there can quite go back and forth and give. Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is Jeff Does Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 106 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get into this episode, I want to take a moment to thank my guest from the last episode, Adam Bauer, aka Travel Fanboy. Adam is a fellow content creator and travel blogger who jumped on the podcast to talk about some of the big upcoming changes on the Vegas Strip. We discussed ownership changes at the Mirage and the Cosmo, rebranding at Bally's, and rumors surrounding the Tropicana. If you haven't listened as of yet, jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out episode number 105, Going Through Changes, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. On to the show. Ever since the NHL's Golden Knights made their debut back in 2017, big league professional sports has been booming in Las Vegas. And following the relocation of the NFL's Raiders from Oakland to Las Vegas in 2020, we can expect to see even more teams and leagues calling Vegas home in the coming years, with the NBA and Major League Baseball likely additions. Joining me for this episode to discuss the future of pro sports in Las Vegas are Jason and Paula Williams, husband and wife hosts of the Vegas Fever podcast, a new podcast that dives deep into the sports scene in Sin City. We talked about the impact the Golden Knights have made on Las Vegas over their short history, theorized on potential homes for an NBA and Major League Baseball team, and we discussed whether or not Vegas can continue to support all the professional and minor league franchises that keep popping up in the city. Please enjoy my conversation with Jason and Paula Williams of the Vegas Fever Podcast. was actually born and raised in Las Vegas and I essentially grew up in Las Vegas. We just moved to North Carolina. It's going to be three years. It's going to be three years. Okay. So Vegas is originally home for you guys, which it's very weird to hear of somebody moving away from Las Vegas because usually it goes (laughs) the other direction. (laughs) Right, right, right. And there was opportunities here. Mm -hmm. um, My sister lives here and And it's just uh, for, you know, we have young kids and um, Nevada is not the place to be for education as much as we love Nevada. It's just not uh, not on the up and up education wise. And, you know, our son and daughter have fantastic opportunities and so do we. And it's uh, Las Vegas is a place will always be, you know, where we met and where we had our children and very important to us and someplace that we would love. We are looking to visit and would love to. Um, because there are certain things you can't get here that you can get there. And we do miss some of that. Uh, we've been talking about that a lot, but 
we we are here and we we are we started the podcast after we moved so that made a ton of sense <laughs> living in vegas as long as we did and then started the podcast after and so when you guys are not podcasting what is it you guys do for uh for i mean you know we all kind of have those of us that are a lot of us that are content creators and and put together shows and podcasts and stuff we've got you know the real world outside of this right, so yes. what, what do you guys do outside of uh of your your podcasting world um i stay home with our children um our daughter goes to school and our son just started preschool he's actually autistic so we are very involved in that community. He, I make jokes that I am his personal assistant. <laughs> so he, they keep me busy. Yeah, full time job for me. Um, we once a week we come into our closet and we <laughs> do a show, and it's started off as I wanted to do a little bit of writing, and then it was like, well, why don't we just transfer that to talking um there are so many podcasts out there and there's not a lot about unlv there's some about the golden knights but we wanted to give the husband wife perspective that we don't think that other people uh, out there can quite go back and forth and give and um it's really just a creative outlet for us yeah. i mean yeah let off some steam talk about a little right sports i mean after the kids go to bed our lives are pretty much you know, we don't do this as like a job. It's just for fun. Yep. So. And I, I assume that you guys are, are sports fanatics. I'm guessing that's, I mean, being, you guys are both, you mentioned you're both from Las Vegas originally. Are you UNLV grads as well, or just big fans of UNLV? No, he got me into, well, I really had no choice. <laughs> I was, was dragging her to games yeah, is, um, is the term for that. UNLV was the only thing around from when I was little until the Golden Knights. So it's all we had um, in Southern Nevada and among the many minor league teams that came and went. And I drug hard, heard of those games too. I yeah, mean, we, we, to go to the Wranglers. we went to Las Vegas Wrangler games. I went to Thunder games as a kid. Um, and anything that was going on sports wise in Las Vegas, I got attached to, I uh, numerous things. I mean, if you, if you name it that it happened in Vegas, I probably, you know, went there, been around it um, ever since I was old enough to do so. Um, you were a ball boy. I was a ball boy, UNLV football, UNLV basketball, um, Las Vegas Bandits uh, played at the Thomas and Mack Center. Um, the Sting was the first indoor uh, football team. They had two. They had another one, uh, the Gladiators. I went there too. Um, there was a roller hockey team that played at the Santa Fe called the Coyotes. I went there too. <laughs> if it was if it was sports in Vegas, I found it. I went to Stars games. I went to Fifty Ones games. I gravitate. I gravitate to sports and living in Vegas. You grabbed a hold of whatever was there, and UNLV was first love for me, sports wise. And so when the Vegas Golden Knights announced that they were going to be coming to Las Vegas, I mean, that must have been a, a huge deal. You guys were still living in Vegas when they launched. And so were you able to attend a lot of games in that first season? You couldn't get there. Mm. No. So the, so the season ticket drive produced, I don't remember the number, but it was well over 10,000. And it might have been pushing like 12 or 14, not leaving a whole lot of, you know, regular tickets for the public and if you weren't if you weren't you know on the website 
if you didn't get lucky enough and they were the going for big bucks too, you know, and that's the year that our youngest son was born. Yeah. We were, it wasn't, it wasn't ideal financially, especially with big bucks that people were paying. So we watched every game on yeah. TV. We didn't miss not a beat. And, you know, living in Vegas, you get AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain, which is the channel for the Golden Knights and you get everything, which is something you don't get when you live anywhere else. You get those little shows that connect you with the team the team made a lot of appearances, obviously, after everything that happened with one October in the first year. So everybody felt linked and connected to that team. And so we followed along the ride all first year and, and ever since. That was one of the big things I know in talking to um, people that lived in Vegas and friends that lived and even talking to um, cab drivers and Uber drivers and stuff is they were so happy that Vegas was going to have its own team. I mean, there were so many NHL fans in Las Vegas, people that had relocated from elsewhere and had their own favorite team, whether it was Boston, Chicago, or even the Canadians, Canadian people that had moved down and were fans of the Leafs, the Canucks, the Oilers, whatever. But now it was like, yeah, this is, this is our team. And it was a lot of real incredible team pride. And as a, as a Canadian, who's a hockey fanatic, because by law we're required to be, um, we come out (laughs) of the womb and skates. Um, that's what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. 100% true. Um, it was, it was really cool to see a city that wasn't this traditional hockey market. All of the sudden be proud of its hockey team. Yeah. Everywhere you went, you saw somebody with a jersey, a hat, a shirt, a bumper sticker. I mean, it was, if I'm wearing a shirt and you're wearing a shirt, we make eye contact. It's like, oh, good game. Or, you know, go, go nice, nice, go. Yeah. Um, it really brought a sense of community together. We were listening to, and I. this was years before the Golden Knights came to a radio show. We were driving and the guy was like, locals will never support. I don't know. Did he say sports team or hockey team? That was always the knock on Vegas. And I believe they were talking about hockey. But yeah, locals would never, never support. support. And it we, would and we see have now to that, be based on tourism. And we see now that that's a hot load of garbage. You know, you talk to the actual people who live in Las Vegas. And of course, we're going to support it. It's what we've been wanting. Right. Your whole life. Mm-hmm. I mean, people with young kids or babies, you know, that's always going to be their team now. You know, he never had that growing up. So, I mean, it's like Golden Knights mania. Yeah. I mean, there's huge lines to get into the practice facility just to watch them practice. I mean, it's filled every time. And you know what? I hate to admit it, but I was one of those early naysayers when it came to hockey in Las Vegas. And I think that that negative attitude came from seeing what happened with the Phoenix Coyotes and seeing that team, Winnipeg. I grew up in Winnipeg. So when the Jets left in 1996, that was like having my heart ripped out and seeing that team relocated to the desert to a quote unquote, non-traditional hockey market where it's been there again since 1996 and has yet to turn a profit. They're now on their third or on their way to their fourth arena. They're going to be spending the next three years playing in front of 3,500 people at a university arena, which is just sad and pathetic. But I was an a I thought there's no way that hockey is going to work in Las Vegas. 
Worst case scenario, they're playing in front of a half-empty arena like Phoenix does. Best case scenario, they're playing in front of an arena full of tourists. Lo and behold, that is not the way it's turned out. First season, yeah, it seemed to be a more touristy type crowd, but there were still a ton of locals in there. And then as you went on and as the years went on, it, it certainly has turned around and it's now at that point where no, it is, it is locals in that building and it is hard to get your hands on a ticket as a tourist, which I have to admit is actually kind of cool. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, I miss that most about being yeah. here. I've only had one other person come up, maybe two. I've seen one person with a shirt and one person come up to me and they don't even really like hockey here in North Carolina. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. Although we did go to the Knights game in Raleigh. In Raleigh against the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ran into Knights fans. And the elevator in the hotel opens and there is Knights fans. And it was shocking. They flew. Yet, yet, yet soothing. Yeah, they flew yeah. from Las Vegas to North Carolina for the game. Yeah. And see, that's next level dedication. I'm happy to hear that's happening, that Golden Knights fans are traveling from Vegas to other NHL cities to go support their team, because that that really is some next level stuff. That's like Leafs fans flying to Vegas to go watch Toronto play the Knights. I mean, that's 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 huge. That's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd I never thought it's something that I would see. In my lifetime, you know, I, you really, you know, even being, you know, younger, you really think it's never going to happen with however many opportunities, uh, you know, that Vegas quote unquote got or was used against, was used with in leverage. You really think it's never going to happen. And I I just, I couldn't believe when they announced that Vegas was going to get a team and they were doing a ticket drive and it was serious, you know, and then they, and then the floodgates opened from what the Golden Knights were able to accomplish. And then you get everything thereafter. Mm-hmm. And it's just been, Vegas is different than Vegas was five years ago, than, than they were 10 years ago. The air is different in Vegas. Something about it is different there than it, than it is anywhere else. But now it's, it's a player, not only at the tables and at the slot machines, but, but in the four or five major leagues. It's probably within five years, you're going to have it all there. And, and, and you should, because enough's enough. Quit the crap with gambling. Vegas is the safest place to gamble. It's most regulated in the world. As we've seen with a few latest NFL stories, you won't get past Vegas. Mm-hmm. It's safe. It's not dirty. And you can make a ton of money. Just embrace it and, and, and let's move on and just put teams there so we can get on with, you know, what it's going to be, which is great for the economy, great for fans, great for Vegas, great for everyone. And you know what? It's interesting that you bring up the point about the economy and the uniqueness of the Las Vegas market, because I, I saw this tweet last week. Somebody was talking about pro sports in Las Vegas and the rumor about um, the NBA coming to Vegas. And they asked the question about whether or not. Vegas would be able to support all of these pro sports franchises. And and I replied and said, well, you know what? Las Vegas is not unique in that fashion. There's lots of other cities across the U S and Canada that have uh, major league baseball, NHL, NFL, among all these other pro sport franchises. 
where the uniqueness for Las Vegas lies, though, is you've got a massive tourist market. You've got 40 million plus people a year coming to Las Vegas. And if they can come to town and support their favorite team, that is a huge deal for the city of Las Vegas. And I think for anybody to say that this having another major league sports franchise in the city would be detrimental in some way, shape or form seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ignorant. It's completely ignorant because you think about it, 65,000 Raider fans will pack Allegiant Stadium at the same time or right after 19,000 just packed T-Mobile. There's a different type of fan for each sport. And soccer is going to bring 60,000, 70,000 more potentially at the same weekend. If whoever is your soccer fan is not your NHL fan, is not your basketball fan, is not your football fan. Now, they may intersect you know, personally, but the fan base is different. Mm-hmm. That's why Vegas can support it. Two and a half million people and growing in the city and around surrounding, you know, in Clark County, let's just say. But like you said, 40 million a year in, in tourists, that can't be overlooked dollars wise. It can't be overlooked butts and seats wise. It was always a no brainer to me when I was 10, when I was 15, when I was 20 and there were no teams. Well, I mean, it's going to happen. Part of it is also people come for the show, right? which you can't get rid of that just because it's a sport. They still want to see T-Mobile where the Knights play. I mean, they put on this huge performance, you know, same thing with, you know, I don't think they do a perform- like a big thing, but Allegiant Stadium's one of the newest is the newest. I mean, they light the Al Davis torch, right? You know, I mean, and and it's it's no matter it's what rocking, Vegas so. does, whether it's a show, uh, a restaurant opening, or you know, sports, it's a production. It's so I feel like that draws a lot of tourists. Even if you don't, if that's not your home team, you're gonna want to go see and feel the energy of it. It's an energy unlike any other in Vegas. You realize that when you move to North Carolina. It's a little, it's, 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 <laughs> I mean, we talked about it for a few years moving because we knew that it was going to be what was necessary, but you miss things, mm-hmm. you know, and we're looking to get a yearly trip or so, you know, going, you know, because we're, we've, you know, there's an itch. You know, and and we want to be a part of that energy again. So coming up, Jason and Paula and I share our opinions on where the NBA and Major League Baseball could be calling home in Las Vegas. And we discuss how the Golden Knights are doing it right when it comes to in-game experience. That's next on Jeff Does Vegas. You mentioned the spectacle that Las Vegas makes of itself when it comes to to pro sports and and everything in general, but they they've certainly translated that well to the world of professional sports. I mean, I get DMs and emails from listeners who are all over the world asking how they can get their hands on tickets to go see the Vegas Golden Knights. They've never been to a hockey game before in their lives, but they're going to Las Vegas And they want to go see a hockey game. They want to see the Vegas Golden Knights. And you know for a fact that they wouldn't make that same effort if they were going on, say, for example, 
a family vacation to Disneyland in California, they wouldn't be going out of their way to try to get their hands on tickets to go see the Anaheim Mighty Ducks or the LA Kings. That's just, that's just not going to happen. And let's talk about the fact that Vegas has taken their moniker as entertainment capital of the world and really put that into the pro sports world. I mean, you go to a Vegas Golden Knights game, intermission entertainment, you're talking Cirque du Soleil and Blue Man Group and Carrot Top and all these headliners that are now making appearances at Vegas Golden Knights games. You go to a, a Las Vegas Raiders game and David Perico, Pop Strings Orchestra, he's the house band there. I talked to him a few episodes ago. He performed with Sammy Hagar as part of the game festivities. That's completely insane. I mean, you go to a game, a hockey game, an NHL game up here, you're getting little kids playing hockey and human bowling as your intermission entertainment. You're not getting Blue Man Group and Cirque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't discount the five-year-olds playing hockey. That's cute. <laughs> I like when the kids play hockey. We like when that, you know, we almost prefer that maybe over Blue Man Group because we've seen them. You know, I mean, they're awesome. Don't, don't even say a letter and they're awesome. But the kids playing hockey is awesome. Also, in Southern Nevada, there is so much growth. Can't talk about it enough about youth hockey. Mm-hmm. And hockey is for everybody. Girls, boys, it doesn't matter. Play hockey. Hockey's wonderful. And I wish that more people knew in certain areas of the country how great of a sport it is. Just turn it on for five minutes. Uh I mean, that's all that hooked me when I was a kid. I mean, you know, most people around here like NASCAR and and and, and, and that's great. NASCAR's fantastic. You know, they get two races in Vegas now. I mean, more for the economy. But if you can watch that, you can watch hockey. If you can watch golf, you can watch hockey etc we we battle about this on the show you know is that if you if you can't open your mind up to hockey which is one of the best the best sport in the playoffs you're so biased it's the best sport in the playoffs you cannot beat it everything is edge of seat everything is do or die everything is win or go home i mean it's such a rush i i love it and There's millions of people and billions of people who do. Listen, you're not going to get any argument from me on that. Again, as a Canadian, I am legally bound and required to uh, enjoy the sport of hockey. And if I say anything negative about the sport, somebody's going to bust down the door here and and take away my citizenship. That's how we roll here uh, in the uh, in the Great White North. (laughs) Um, But you mentioned about the the boom that that this really caused um, in in hockey for kids in Las Vegas and Southern Nevada. And I have to say that was something that really impressed me with the Vegas golden Knights before they started their season back in 2017 was how involved they were in the community. And and before all the October one stuff and, and getting involved to that degree, they were out at community centers. They were out at athletic fields. They were, they were handing out, um, they were handing out jerseys and t-shirts and sticks and they were doing how to play clinics and, and, and all this really cool stuff. And that's really important to grow the sport of hockey in these non-traditional hockey markets. And, and you know what, as much as I crap on Arizona and, and what's happened with them and, and that particular franchise, you can't discount the fact that just a few years ago, the NHL had a number one draft pick that hailed from Phoenix. 
with Austin Matthews going to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And who knows how long it's going to be. We could be looking in, you know, five, six years from now, a number one draft pick for the National Hockey League coming out of the city of Las Vegas. And I got to say, I think that would be pretty cool. I think so. I think so. And it might not even take that And there's that so long. much that um, that the national news doesn't report or maybe they don't want them to report. They were constantly going to children's hospitals. Um, people would see them out and about. They were constantly um, at shelters. It wasn't just, a, it was a continuous thing. And um, I think that's really why the people fell in love because they got right in there. Yeah. The team in the city became one. Mm -hmm. There was a bond uh, that was, that was made um, that can't be broken. Well, and I think what probably contributes to that bond is the fact that the Vegas golden Knights are, as the slogan has said, Vegas born. It's not another franchise that, that moved from another city and came into Las Vegas and tried to make, the city of Las Vegas home, which leads me to the Las Vegas Raiders. This is literally a team that picked up and moved from another market, weaseled its way into Vegas and, and really doesn't have that same connection with the city. Does it? No, no. You have your Raiders fans that will always be Raiders fans. And that went to California every weekend to go see them, but they're the Raiders. They're not, they're called the Las Vegas Raiders, but the golden Knights are everyone's team. Right. The Raiders to a lot of people swindled the city, swindled the market a little bit by getting $750 million in tax payer money, a casino tax, not that's the biggest, you know, thing gray area about it is, was it, tax from Nevada's people or was it tax from a casino tax? It's a casino tax. They were given that and they came. They were able to tie up everything they needed to and they came. Their fan base is mostly from Northern and Southern California. This is just the way it is. There are a lot of Raider fans in Vegas. There are a lot of Raider fans that were in Vegas before they moved to Nevada. They make a ton of money. Their franchise is very valuable now that they have moved. And it's just, you know, to me, I I mean, I'm more of a football fan than Paul is. It's just not the same. Uh It's great for the market. There are no negatives about the Raiders being in Vegas market wise. There are little things here and there that you might see on the news or read in the newspaper that is a little bit different. But for Vegas, it's great. It's just cash flow. And it's something, again, I thought I'd never see in my lifetime, but it is much different. And the the way that the fans cheer for football is different than the way that, that the fans cheer for hockey. But I could guarantee you 150 million percent if the Knights played a game in that building, they'd get the same amount of fans that the Raiders did. That's because there's so many people who can't get tickets mm-hmm. to the Golden Knights. There's that many. Um, I really wish that they would play in a, a, a game there. It has the the glass roof. It's not retractable, so they cannot get an outdoor game there i hope that the nhl changes their stance because i really 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 want the knights to play in that building well you never know there is a precedent for uh, indoor outdoor games or outdoor indoor games whichever way you want to look at it 2014 heritage classic that was uh vancouver 
Uh, the Vancouver Canucks and the Ottawa Senators, they played at BC Place Stadium, which does have a retractable roof. However, because of bad weather, they had to keep the roof closed. So again, you never know. They might decide to do a stadium series game in Vegas. Allegiant Stadium would make perfect sense. Um, but as a, a Vegas local, you probably already know this fun little factoid, but there's probably people in the audience listening that maybe don't. The very first ever NHL outdoor game was played in Las Vegas, Caesars Palace, while the ice was melting, it was 85 degrees outside. It was. So. It, was. <laughs> it was. It was September. It was not pretty. It was the Rangers. It was the Kings. It was 91. I, I was three years old, and I do not remember it the way it was played, but I sure remember it now the way I've seen. Um, they got through it, yeah. and, and it became history for, for Nevada. As a fan, I can tell you if I was given the choice between watching the Kings and the Rangers skate through puddles in 85 degree temperatures in September or watching the Oilers and the Canadians uh, freezing my cojones off at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton at minus 50, I know which one I'd be taking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We kind of tangentially hit on this a little bit earlier, talking about the dilution of the sports market in Las Vegas. I mean, now in addition to the Vegas golden Knights and the Las Vegas Raiders, you've got um, the Henderson silver Knights, uh, AHL team, the, the golden Knights minor league franchise. Uh, We've got Las Vegas aviators, baseball. We've got uh, WNBA, Las Vegas aces, basketball. We've got um, the Vegas Nighthawks, the indoor arena football league team uh, coming. You've got a, a national lacrosse league team coming. You've got MLS soccer coming, all of this stuff. I mean, what do you guys see for the future of sports in Las Vegas? I mean, really, all in all, looks pretty damn bright to me. Very. Yeah, I'm concerned a little bit. There's going to be so much. Like, I don't think by bringing in NBA and I, I mean, I think that will bring in people, but if they're hoping to have that kind of turnout for every single sport, every single division, it's going to be really difficult. But I think overall it's positive because there's so many people that live and work in Las Vegas that really don't have anything to do with casinos. There's so much more. And this will, especially for the youth really, um, help with the direction right. and give them something else to see. Yeah. I mean, every, every time you, you talk to somebody who wasn't from Vegas about Vegas, they would just be like, Oh, casinos, right. Strip. Right. You know, like Fremont I don't even Street, know how many times all. we got right. asked, do you live in a casino? Yeah. I on. think having all these different options is really, really great for the residents, for the locals, mm. stuff like the NBA and the NHL and um, football is, that's great for both. I think that will bring a lot of tourists and obviously it brings a lot of locals, but I think it's going to be kind of hard you, to, you, know, you got to blend. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got your blend. You got to satisfy each sports hunger um, with its fan base. Right. Cause now that they have a taste of it, right. Everyone's like, I want in, I want in. Cause they think it's going to be at the magnitude of the Knights or the Raiders. And I don't know if, it's going to be like that for every single sport. You know, can the Silver Knights get 5,000 people at Dollar Loan Center, which just opened? 
Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Can, you know, can the, can the Nighthawks get a couple thousand? Sure. You know, can the lacrosse team get a thousand or two? Yeah. You know what I mean? Can the aces are doing really well at Mandalay Bay. And I think they're going to be moving. I think Mark Davis, who owns the team now, who owns the Raiders is building them a facility in Henderson as well. So, mm. you know, can all these people survive? Can all these leagues survive? Sure. Bigger picture from what you were asking earlier is that I think that Vegas does get a major league baseball team. I think the Oakland A's are extremely interested. They've been here a handful of times, seven or eight, and they're planning more. They're not getting what they needed in Oakland as per Mark Davis did not get what he needed in Oakland from the same mayor and city council. Sorry, but it's the truth. They're talking about knocking down the Tropicana and building a baseball stadium. And I'm, I'm down with that. I mean, 20,000 seats look, the A's play at, you know, Oakland Coliseum or whatever the heck they're calling it these days. And they're getting, 10,000, 15,000 in a 60,000 seat place, they could use a 15, 20,000 seat arena. I mean, I don't see during the dead of summer when there's not much else going on and they're one of the only things being talked about because from after March Madness until football and hockey, you got nada. Mm -hmm. They're in. So, I mean, there's no reason why you can't get 15, 20,000 seats there. Jackie Robinson, the ex-UNLV player from the 70s under Jerry Tarkanian, has been trying to build an NBA arena at the north side of the Strip, the all-net arena, for 10 years. He's got what he needs finally to do it. And that's going to be built on the old, wet, and wild site. That is your NBA arena because it's going to have dining and shops and condos and a 20,000 seat arena. That's, that's it right there. Now the, now the intersect with all this is NBA, NHL, football, UNLV, which I mean, these days UNLV is out in the cold, unfortunately, because of everything that's happened with the program and COVID all that going on at the same time. That's, that's where I get concerned, but you know, like I said, you got two and a half million people, 40 million visitors. I think it could be done. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to waver from until UNLV puts a national caliber team on the floor. They're screwed in this whole situation. And that's unfortunate, but it's true. I've read a little bit into this, um, this all net complex that Jackie Robinson has been trying to do for, for years now. And from what I've been able to find, it kind of seems like it's almost like the um, the fountain blue of the uh, the arena world in Las Vegas in that there's been all of these false starts and funding has fallen through. And and and, and, and I mean, things just it it's not really working out. Do, do you think that it's actually going to happen until they put stuff sticking in the ground, sticking up? and start making something out of nothing because all they've done is move land and, and basically do a big hole, uh, put a big hole in the ground until they start building. It's exactly like you say, it's pretty much just like uh, it's hearsay. It's spectacle. I'm hoping it gets done. Now, do you dilute Las Vegas with big stadiums when there wasn't all this a few years ago? And do you say, is that good for business? My thought was with yours originally, why do they need to build another stadium when they have T-Mobile, which is fit for hockey and basketball? It's been rumored, and I'm pretty sure it's been said, that Bill Foley don't want to share. They want it to be a hockey facility, mainly. Now, obviously, you know, the Pac-12 tournament, you know, will be there. 
Uh, UNLV will have a game at T-Mobile every year. There will be tournaments there, and uh, among other things. But that's the Knights' house. That's something that Bill Foley is really, to my understanding, from everything I've heard and read, particular about. That's why the stadium on the north end of the Strip keeps coming up. Because in order to get the NBA, it's going to have to come up somewhere. Cashman site comes up all the time for MLS, for NBA, for for MLB. The revitalization of that Cashman area, in my opinion, is very important for the city because right now it's very sad and it's been very sad for a long time. And it's a place you wouldn't take your children or anybody else in your family. But with a little bit of revitalization and MLS a major league baseball NBA would be turned around completely. I think another stadium for the NBA is going to be necessary. Each sport will have its own because that's the way that major markets are going. You see major markets going away from sharing because everybody wants their own pie. It's not even a piece anymore. They want their own. Yeah. You know what? I I get that. And, and I understand that. You know what? I, I think I've, I've read the same thing about Bill Foley and that he has shown uh, no interest in owning an NBA team. And at the same time, he's not willing to have a tenant in there per se, um, somebody that he's going to have to give up any portion of ticket sales or merchandise sales or concession sales or anything like that. And by the same token, I don't think you're going to get an NBA owner that wants to be a tenant in somebody else's building where they're going to have to give up money from luxury boxes or concessions or ticket sales or any kind of percentage. So I completely see that. But then at the same time, you have to look at the fact that Vegas has now got T-Mobile arena that seats 20,000 people, Allegiant stadium that seats 65,000 people. The MSG sphere is on its way as an entertainment venue. And that's going to seat, I think 18,000 people or something ridiculous like that. You've got resorts building bigger showrooms that host in the, the three and 4,000 mark. You've got these facilities that are popping up along the strip now, and not to mention places like MGM grand garden arena and Mandalay. Bay Resort Center that are already established sports and concert venues. Sports is only a few days out of a year when you really look at it in the grand scheme of things. You know, NFL football is not that many home games in a year. Hockey's only 40 odd games plus a playoff run. Same thing with NBA basketball. So really doesn't make sense to to put another 18, 19, 20,000 seat venue on Las Vegas Boulevard. So I would spit something, I would put something toward you that I just kind of thought of that maybe makes sense. And I don't know if, if UNLV would be, would be down with this, but the Thomas and Mack center is going to be a 40 year old building. Jackie Robinson played for UNLV. Could UNLV and an NBA team make it work? In that new building. Now that's another, you know, 20, 20 plus dates that you can book plus the Mountain West tournament, right? Move it there. Plus everything that was at the Thomas and Mac, uh, rodeo, all the events there. I, I don't know who wants to share if anybody wants to share, but if they do, it would be massively successful. You would move the running rebels to the strip 
they would still be near campus. They wouldn't be on campus. That might be the one thing that the one dagger thorn that, that they're not willing to part with. But if he gets the thing built, you're not paying anything to build it. You're coming in and paying rent, like you say, which is a little different than, than being a partner in, in building. Um, I think that that facility would work. Let's talk a little bit about your guys' podcast itself, the Vegas Fever podcast. Um, congratulations. I mean, this is such a cool concept. You guys have carved out kind of a a neat little niche. There, There's a lot of Vegas sports podcasts out there, but you guys have kind of found something a little bit different. And I got to say, I'm, I'm really enjoying listening. Thank you. We really have fun doing it. We do. I mean, I get to do it with the person I love, my best friend, my everything in the whole world. I think it's because it. we're, it's just us talking and um, it's not scripted or anything like that. In fact, he's thrown some curveballs at me a few times and it got pretty <laughs> I have. I have um, because you got to keep her on her toes. You know, sometimes she's a little bit relaxed. Got to throw her, gotta throw her, <laughs> a, throw her a slider. Um it it means a lot to us that you listen yes, and anyone anybody, anybody who does i mean for months and months i i think i i shouted hoping that anybody would listen and we've got a good contingent of mm. we've created a following um small but but growing and now we're with inside the rink we are now uh powered by inside the rink uh they do nonstop. NHL news, mainly NHL. They have allowed us to come on to their platform mm-hmm. um, while still distributing us through all the major ones and allowed us to talk UNLV hoops um, and Vegas Golden Knights and Vegas sports and allowed us to be ourselves and have been nothing but nice about it. Um, they've given us an opportunity to put our name on merchandise. And I never thought I'd be able to say that. And we're very grateful. We have a lot of fun. And for you and anyone else to listen, we appreciate it very, very much. Absolutely. Again, I think it, it's the key that I've always found. And, and the thing that I've always said to anybody when people have asked me about starting a podcast, I always say, find a niche and do something different. And I think what you guys have done is you have really found that niche you've really found something different and, and I, I, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's fantastic. We appreciate it so much. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate it. And we appreciate you having us on. And you guys are both very, very active on social media as part of the Vegas fever podcast. How do people go about uh, finding you and following you? I'm at the golden wife on Twitter at Vegas fever pod on Twitter as well. Excellent guys. Thank you once again for taking the time and uh, jumping on for a conversation. Thank you so much for having us. We had a lot of fun. Lots of fun. Thank you so much. Once again, be sure to follow Paula and Jason on Twitter at the golden wife and Vegas fever pod and look for the Vegas fever podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple podcasts and Spotify. I'll also put those links in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. And that 
that wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. Or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production.